0: Welcome, Bill. Thanks for taking the time out to to chat with us today. Thanks for having me, Eric. Absolutely. We first started talking, I believe, it's almost 10 years ago, I think back in 2007 or 2008 maybe, um, when I was just out of grad school, I was just starting my personal training career. Um, I was logging my own workouts, and I wanted to do – this is kind of like the time where not everybody had a smartphone, so I was still using my laptop, I had a flip phone, but I wanted something that was high tech, and I stumbled upon this this uh website called logsitall.com, which uh as everybody will find out, you you own and operate. And I started logging my workouts, and I think I had a couple questions, so I just popped you um a line on your handy chat tool. And lo and behold, someone was actually behind it all, and we started talking, and and here we are today. So, tell us a little bit about your background and what LogsItAll.com is, and uh, we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, thanks, Eric. Um, yeah, I can't. Was it? I can't believe it was ten years ago. That's <laughs> no,
0: it, nine years ago. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Nine.
1: years. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So my 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 introduction and kind of my my on-ramp with this whole thing is kind of funny. I, I, I started out life as a physics major. I had a, a degree in physics when I was a kid and um, got real tired of being in, in dark rooms and shooting stuff with lasers. And that led to a bunch of years as a ski bum and a rock climbing bum and, and, and a lot of travel and a lot of, a lot of pizza delivery jobs. <laughs> um, and one, one thing led to another, and I, I got back kind of into the marketing, uh, marketing scene. And I worked for some outdoor industries for a few years and I finally ended up working for a company called Concept Two, which makes uh, a rowing machine that's mm-hmm. very popular around the world. And when I when I got there, they said, Welcome aboard. You're our first ever marketing director. Uh, here's your office. Here's your computer. And here's a giant box of paper on which was written every single person's best 2,000 meter rowing time. Gosh. And my job was to type all of those in. Oh, gosh. And, uh, I was like, whoa, whoa, why, why don't you guys have a website that lets people do this themselves? And they were like, well, we've never thought of that before. That's a good idea. Um, you don't have any money to do that, and we don't even have a proper website. But that's still a really good idea. So I, I figured out real quickly that I would much rather build the website to let people do that themselves than to spend months of my life trying to decipher times, names, and distances from pieces of paper that have been mailed in from all over creation. Sure. So. With with no budget and and no formal training really in in building a system like that, I put together the what turned out to be the first ever uh, social performance log. This was before Runkeeper. This was before before anything. And uh, I don't think anybody really thought it was going to work that well. I they, I, I kind of scrounged it together and I found a, a a computer that nobody was using and I turned that into a server and I just I built the thing on a you know on a wing and a prayer out of chewing gum and bailing wire um and i remember I, I i turned it on and i hung it off of this this really basic website that concept 2 had at the time and I, I got up to get a drink of water this was a monday and i came back and 10 or 15 people had already put times in i was like oh, oh wow. awesome it worked yeah. and uh, <laughs> the end of the first week went by and i had two or three hundred people that had put times in i was like man this is this is great so they're like this is, this is as good as it gets and the first month went by, and I had maybe a 1,000 people, a couple thousand people would put some times in. And I was like, uh-oh. And then at the end of the first few months, all of a sudden I had like ten or 15,000 people that were banging oh, times in. And the, and the server would like catch on fire. You know, <laughs> every, everything had been – literally, everything had been built based on an assumption that I would get maybe if I was lucky a few hundred people using the thing. And instead, it just the data and the people just started pouring in. And uh, the server broke, and the database I was using wasn't scalable, and the code wasn't secure, and people just started barraging me with feature requests. And I was like, oh, my God, what the hell have I done? (laughs) And so I I remember I went to the local library, and uh, I I checked out a book on on SQL, which is the scalable kind of high-end database language. I'm like, it's only three letters long. How hard can it be? I started I started reading right. like eight hundred page books. Yeah. Oh my god. And it was like it was like right back to my physics days. You know, I was I was reading pretty pretty high tech serious serious literature. You start twitching. And I had like a, <laughs> oh it was it was terrifying. And I had people emailing me, you know, not complaining about this thing that they had started out praising me for. So I was just under under the gun to get the thing done and ended up rebuilding it, relaunching it, more more scalable, more secure. And it just it just kind of Kept going from there, and uh, when I left Concept2 about six or seven years later, I had a user base of around seventy thousand people, and every twelve months they were logging one point two billion meters worth oh of workouts. Gosh! And it wow. was it was ridiculous. It it was it had been translated into seven different languages. We had challenges and events and competitions, and I, there was almost nowhere I could go in the world where somebody didn't know me that hadn't emailed me like you did. You know, they, they reached out through the website, and I, I wrote them back a note. And uh, my, my favorite anecdote was I had a, uh, a marketing professor whose class I used to teach at once in a while, and he led bike tours through Ireland in the summer. And he was in the absolute wilds of Ireland, and he checked his guests into this little tiny bed and breakfast. And after they all went to sleep, he went down into the kitchen with the guy that owned the place. And uh, the guy sparked up a little coal fire and poured him a we, we dram a whiskey, and they're sitting there toast of the night, and uh, he gets to asking this guy, Jay, he said, so what do you what do? You do? Jay says, "I I teach classes, marketing professor, and been inviting local business professionals in to, to talk about their latest project. And I had this really interesting guy come in, and he, he built this, this tool where you could log growing workouts and, and compete against other people. And the, and the Irish guy says, "Oh, you must mean Bill Patton then? <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> oh, that's so, so cool. That, that's when I knew. I, that's when I. That's when I knew I'd made it. Like that was. That was it. You know, I was. I was the Mark, Mark Zuckerberg of oh uh, for gosh. a year. Um, I was just. It was just a fantastic experience. Um, and when I I, I left C two for for a whole variety of reasons, but I I knew that I wanted to carry that with me. You know, I didn't. I didn't want to leave behind. That, that knowledge and the skill, and, and also mm-hmm. it's just uh, until you've built a community like that, you don't really know how awesome it can be, and it was, right. it was just a fantastically rewarding thing to create. So I thought, oh, I'll build another one, right? How, how hard can that be? Um, the problem was I didn't know who was going to use it. Nobody was paying me. I had did not have an established brand. Uh, you know, I had I had nothing to, to start from. I, w- I was completely sitting out on my own. So I figured I'd build a system that was flexible enough so that anybody could use it to record anything. and the the thing I always tell people is I I wanted to make it flexible enough so that I could help somebody running a bass fishing tournament, a hot dog eating competition, (laughs) or a personal trainer structuring fitness regimen workouts, you know, so it it really has no predefined use other than performance logging, benchmarking comparison, and this sort of structured workout programming. It's almost like a lesson plan where it delivers you a lesson, you record the results of the workout, and that advances you into the next workout. So, it had the sort of core functionality, but no, no use, no audience. And I, I built it, and I had like six people that kind of were using it. You know, it just it didn't, it didn't do the same thing it did when I built it for Concept Two because I had no brand. You know, I had, sure, nobody, nobody knew knew how it was. Long story short, I I had a friend of mine from the the previous community that I built out, and and he had just started doing this thing called CrossFit. He called me up one day and he says, these guys are trying to build a ranking for their workouts, and they're doing it by emailing around a spreadsheet. And he said, I I think you might be able to do better than that. So why why don't you post on this forum and see if anybody cares? So I did, and... I was kind of the first one out of the gate with that whole concept for the CrossFit community, and they got really excited about it. So for, I don't know, maybe the next two or three years, I was kind of one of the only games in town from a uh, tracking and, and, uh, and ranking and, and benchmarking CrossFit workouts. Um, and that, that led me to a group of folks that were doing some seal fit style workouts and right. I remember that connected me with this really interesting group of folks that were, all former Navy SEALs, and for several years, I worked with them to deliver a, a pretty intense workout regimen. I, I remember I used to get satellite phone calls from people on boats off the coast of Somalia, wow. you know, wow. asking for tech support. It was just a, a crazy journey. And then what what happened was that you know really big players started coming into the CrossFit uh, phenomena. You know, you have Reebok. Pouring gazillions of dollars into the system, and and you know CrossFit went from being a real grassroots community, kind of like that, associated with Concept Two. This very big, you know, they. I, I got a call from one of the lawyers a few years ago, and their their legal team was like 15B or something like that. Like just, a, it, it it turned into a very professional, kind of big big bucks thing. And I, yep. I, was presented with a couple of opportunities to pour a lot of money and 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 become. this this much bigger thing that I just didn't really want to do. Um, I I really like dealing with smaller customers and, and I I like that kind of one-on-one entrepreneurial, uh, uh, bent and I, I didn't really need to. So, um, I didn't. And the wave of the sort of CrossFit thing kind of crested and it's just, it swept a lot of, uh, a lot of things up with it. So, uh, Today, I, I still have a few CrossFit clients who've been with me for years, and a lot of CrossFit athletes still use the system on an individual basis. Um, but I would say the majority of my users now are, um, in many ways, non-traditional, um, uh, not non-traditional fitness um, trainers and, and gyms and facilities. Um, and, and even the CrossFit clients I have build their own programming. You know, they don't, they don't follow the standard collection workouts. They're branching out into other, other regimens, that sort of thing. Right. That's,
0: I mean, I didn't know that was going to go that deep. That is, that's, (laughs) that's an incredible story, especially since I feel like, uh, I've, I've got to kind of see, um, you know, from ground for you first, I feel like you first got it started. And, you know, then you told me, hey, I now have this where you could do it on your phone. And now, you know, check this part out. Hey, go into this view and view your history on this calendar. So you got to witness all these different things, not knowing how how much you put into it beforehand. That's just that's a pretty incredible story. And I I would not that I'm the way I track my workouts is, you know, I still have an account on logs at all um i've got you know i've got the fitness pal app i've got notebooks galore i've got workouts written down on my uh notes pad on my macbook you know like all so I'm spread out all over the place but every once in a while i come back and i'll check out my workouts on logs at all and i feel like there's something like a little different almost every time so it's it's easy enough for um like you said like you know someone who's following a strict program um well, I'm, I'm more complex, I guess. Or it's easier for somebody, for me, to go in and just log a fast workout, like I did deadlifts, boom, log that, and I can go back in and see the entire breakdown of just that. And mm-hmm. there's something unique, I think, to be said about that. Um, when, so you, you broke down what you did, the, why you did this for Concept2 and then getting into CrossFit. Why do you think tracking is so important in, in technology and in fitness? Why do you think those two yeah. kind of complement
1: each other so well? well it, yeah, I think you have to break it up into in two parts because I think technology is in a separate kind of vertical in tracking. And Let's um, take tracking, for starters. When I, was, when I was building the tool, the, the rowing-based tool, um, I had several researchers send studies my way that documented that the, the simple act of keeping track of what you've done from a workout standpoint increases the probability that you're going to keep doing it, whether or not you're losing weight, whether or not you're getting stronger, you know, regardless of any of those other details, the simple act of keeping track of what you're doing increases your, your probability of continuing to to stick with that regimen. So everybody who's involved with any kind of fitness goal or, or working out at all should keep track of what they're doing because it, it increases the probability of doing it again. The, the technology in some cases makes that easier and more interesting, but I think it can also get in the way of, of yeah. the, the tracking. And yeah. your your story is not alone. You know, I, I can't tell you how many people start using a high-tech solution and then stop. or the, And then we use another one and they'll stop. And then another, yep. oh, the iWatch just came out. Oh, great, let's try that. Oh, then this thing came out of oh, the Garmin, this thing, and blah, blah, blah. And so they start much. and they stop and they start and they stop. And meanwhile, the... the <laughs> The, the little old lady who's still using a yellow pad of paper and a pencil to track of her walks around the block is still doing it and yeah. she's reaping the benefit of that consistency that the people that start and stop aren't and I I, I know when I was building the 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 rolling log book I literally had people come up to me and say you know this is great but it's just not as easy to use as a pencil right <laughs> <And> well <laughs> what 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 I find fascinating is that as more and more money gets thrown into these ever more technologically complicated tracking solutions. Um, I, I keep thinking of that little old lady with a pencil. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, I think you have to break down technology and, and the active tracking in the, in the two separate verticals and the, and the technology really sense. should be enabling and not something to get in the way. And I'm not that sure it always is. That makes sense. Cause I, I've had the same
0: thing. I, I wear an, an Apple watch to work just basically for the, the notifications, but you know, I've got, I've got the Fitbit. Um, I've had a jawbone. I've had all these different things, go. but, but really when it comes back down to it, I see the most progress when things are just simple and in one place. And instead of, you know, having your phone plus an extra device, plus this device, plus that device. And you know, of course, from a marketing standpoint, I guess, and a bottom dollar, you know, the bottom line, it, once one person makes something, it's like, all right, now we have to top that. And there's how many 320 million people just in the U.S. that you're trying to cater to? It's, I mean, everybody's going to want just something a little bit different. If you have something like yours where you can go in and just plug in something that you do yourself and you could have it anywhere. So if I forget like my notebook at home, well, I can just log on to logs and all and have everything that I just did right there that's the simplicity of, of using the tracking um, and technology and the internet's like, that's where the beauty comes in. I think <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I, but, I've, I've tried, I've tried to keep mine consistently simple and not kind of feature bloated and, and obviously make it work well in a, in a, in a phone environment. And I think that's for a long time, that was kind of my secret sauce was the, that simplicity and also the flexibility and that you could make it very easy for somebody to track anything. You know, I had, I, I built a sleep quality tracker for somebody once. I had a, a psychiatrist want me to build an anxiety tracking mechanism and a, yeah. uh, a, daily, a daily yoga uh, tracking platform. You know, I've had I, over the years I've had people come to me with really interesting tracking requests, and I've been able to handle them all. Are
0: you are you still working with? Um, I think you called it was it SealFit?
1: Yeah, they just they just rebuilt their their subscription model and their revenue model. And it, it became increasingly hard for them to monetize a, an application that sat outside of their own kind of website.
0: Okay, all right. Uh, so they,
1: they uh, and uh, uh we 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 part we parted ways, but but hopefully as good friends. Uh, it was a, it was a privilege to work for those guys and with them. Yeah, I
0: bet. I I remember hearing. They were, I think the creator of that entire program. Um, I remember him on. Mark, I think Mark. His name is Mark Devine. Yeah, Mark Divine. Yeah, he was on yeah. the Rob Wolf podcast a couple of years ago. I remember thinking, "Holy cow! I know who you know built that platform." <laughs> I remember getting so excited, and it was cool because they were kind of describing how everything was tracked and everything and what they do. And he's a really interesting dude. Seems like a really nice guy. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's um, a great guy. Great guy. I
0: had an I had an actual reason for asking that, but when we got disconnected, it kind of it flew from me. So. I'll move on, but uh, where do you see, since you're kind of involved in, you know, the grassroots of it all, where do you see this fitness tracking slash uh, technology mobile industry going in the next few years? Or are we, reaching to, are we at a point now where maybe we're seeing all that is to offer, but with just maybe a few more um, options inside the platforms that are already there?
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's it, it's interesting, Eric. I've I've seen and, and you have as well. I, I, I can't tell you how many sort of fitness fads I've seen coming. In the midst of every fad, the proponents of the fad always say, Well, this is different, this isn't a fad. And then yeah. a couple years later it turned out right. Well, that was a fad, and the then the wave by uh, and everybody's it And we've also seen increasing investment in in technology and ever more complicated bits of technology and new new equipment and new new marketing approaches and new health club formats. And yep. meanwhile, the, the rate of obesity in this country and around the world is continuing to explode. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm, I, I think I'm maybe either jaded or realistic mm-hmm. about the impact that uh, technology can have on sort of this, this amazing, sedentary, poor diet, uh, pretty pretty unhealthy lifestyle that's so common among Americans in, in particular. And I, I think that where I see technology going is, is less in sort of that kind of tracking and social and, you know, so, some of the things that I think people are concentrating on. And what it what it really needs to do is it needs to lever people up and out of their office desk chairs long enough to do something yeah. for a few minutes every single day so the and i'm not sure what that is i'm not i'm not sure that, that that thing yet has been invented that i that can really have an impact not just on tens of thousands but many millions of people across the country but that that's really the need that i see is not improving the precision of a gps run tracker that that's yeah, not right. going to get the majority of sedentary americans up and moving it's a it's a different thing that's going to be required and i i think it's probably going to require this almost cultural mind shift and and a mind shift among that of employers where you know instead of saying well you get 15 minutes for lunch sit at your desk eat and type the the cultural norm needs to be okay you're expected to get up and walk around outside for at least 5 minutes you know that's it's like the law and yeah it should be how 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 technology can fit into that, I'm not sure yet, except that from an employer standpoint, if you can translate that activity into a return on investment for the employer, that all of a sudden becomes a sustainable thing. Yeah, you, know, you have to make, make it worthwhile time. for the one putting out the money for it, right? That's right. And you have to demonstrate that that was a good idea, You know, that that extra 15 minutes of productivity that you think you're getting from making somebody eat lunch at their desk you're you're going to receive many, many times over in in lost sick days and and, better concentration and and all all sorts of benefits from from getting that same individual to get up and walk for 15 minutes outside. So I I think that a lot of the innovation right now and the tracking is being driven by that kind of 1% crowd without stopping it ask themselves, why do the, why do the other 99% of people not do this?
0: <laughs> yeah. And,
1: it, and it's because it's just hitting the wrong cylinders, I think. So e- even though I've been at that sort of forefront of performance tracking and workout tracking and benchmarking, I, I think that it's not really reaching the, the, the masses of people that it needs to. And I think we really re- need to rethink the way that we motivate um, that, that very large quantity of people.
0: Yeah, I think so too, especially when you consider the the amount of time that we sit, that we spend in one position for the most, even when we're sleeping, we get up, go downstairs, we sit to have breakfast. We sit at, people sit at a desk for work and then you sit on your way to work and then back from home then you lay back down. It's a, but it, it's a hard, hard pill to swallow when you have, uh, you know, from an employer standpoint, um, when, you're, when you say to yourself, well, we could put all this money into building up our employees and, and making sure they're healthy and they uh, get more productivity out of them when, man, that's not where their bottom dollar is, unfortunately. And it's, you know, the people who are out making the sales and making the money, those are the ones who are going to get most of the, the focus, I feel like. And yeah. even though you're starting to see more people talk about having stand-up desks at work, which is fantastic, that's great, but you know, when you have one stand up desk or what do they have now, like the um the treadmill, the walking desks for yep. 1500 yep. 1, people, it's a great it's awesome. Then they do these test pilots that last forever, and then like, well, only, you know, X amount of people signed up for it. Then well you're open exactly. nine, ten hours a day and you only have one and it's it's gotta be an all or nothing. And if it if it's if you're just testing it out to say you tested it out and sorry we can't do it because nobody used it, then I feel like that's just taking an easy way out but you yep. know it's it's going take more than just you know me talking on a podcast that four people listen to to make, <laughs> to make to make a difference. but I think that I think where where people are now, the people who are using those those kind of technologies and those kind of tools, hopefully they're giving feedback to their employers and saying this is necessary. I feel great when I go back to work or yeah, there, there's some kind of benchmark where you can go back and say, yeah, this is definitely worth the investment. And yep. who knows how long it's going to be. Even the, the corporate wellness scene, you know, big in the 80s, kind of faded out in the 90s, or you know, and then kind of starting to get back into it now, I guess a little bit. Uh, I know the company that I work for, Corporate Fitness Works, just got bought out by a much larger company. So I don't know what that's what that says for the industry, but um, hopefully something good. Uh, yeah. So, off the soapbox, um, what other projects do you have coming down the pipeline? Anything that uh, we can kind of keep an eye out for, or
1: just some personal yeah, projects, maybe? It's well, it's, a, it's par- partly personal. It's a, a much different and much more serious project than a, than I've ever worked on before. Um, and I, you know, thanks for giving me an opportunity to talk about it for a little while. And this is very much in the in the sort of fledgling stage, but. Uh, here in Vermont, we are in the midst of a fairly serious heroin epidemic, and yeah. we we have multiple overdoses happening every month. Um, and we're we're seeing the, the even among high school students, you know, we're seeing the, the percentage of people who tick the box saying, "Yeah, I've tried it," it's skyrocketing in, in in really scary places. And I was personally touched by this at a, a coffee shop in downtown Burlington, and I was working on a project and in a meeting with a couple of other other folks. And there was a girl who could have been my own daughter sitting in a, uh, in a chair uh, opposite me the whole time I was trying to talk to these two clients, just completely slumped over and, and Mm. just, you know, just gone for, for, for the duration of the meeting. And I got back from the meeting and I was like, God, what, what, what in the hell can I do, you know, to, to contribute in some small way to this? So I started wondering whether or not I could, take the benefits that I've learned how to deliver via Lozdal in a way of social logging and peer pressure and tracking and that sort of thing. And I was like, well, I wonder if I could leverage this at all <laughs> to, to, to be of use in, in, in some sort of opiate addiction. So I, I built a what I think might be the world's first poly drug social log book oh, that, wow. uh, that, that lets users go in and keep track of one or more uh, drugs that they're taking and the frequency, and what the what the system does, it asks you to correlate that with your self-reported quality of life. And oh. The theory is that you, even if you think you have your addiction under control, if if I can visually present to you that your 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 trend line is going in the wrong direction, yeah, then I can do several things. One, I can help you visualize your own progress either and 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 encourage you to get help, or I can also visualize your sobriety. Um, so I, I, I can deliver the sort of visualization thing. But the, the thing I get really excited about is that in inside of an application like that would reside a lot of data and a lot of intelligence that would then let someone who knew more than me about Addiction deliver a highly targeted message to the user base. So oh, wow. you, you could build logic in that was like, well, you know, you you, were, you were, your your frequency and amount of dose has been flat, and in the last week we saw it go up by fifteen percent. That's that means something. You know, you you just went over a plateau, and you know, if you don't do something, you're going to OD and be dead in a month. So wow. let's deliver a very targeted message to that specific you know, use case, and then we can also then measure the impact of that particular message on that type of user. So if I, if I can get this thing to scale and I can, I can get some traction with researchers, then I think it might actually be a, be a, a really interesting tool that would reach not, not all opiate abusers, but some subset of that, of that group. Um, that is huge. I, I, I would love to be able to contribute. I, I would love to be able to Contribute in some in some small way. So, the 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 domain is actually launched, and anybody who's listening to this is more than welcome to go check it out. It's definitely in beta, but I, I named it after an article that I read in a in a magazine that, that talked about how uh, her relationship with heroin was a love story. So the the domain is myhstory.com. H for heroin. Myhstory.com. Okay. And it's a it's a very flexible poly drug uh, use tracking. Mechanism and it, and it has some social tracking elements. It's it's going to be relaunched in the not too distant future as DopeWatchers.com. That was suggested by a by by an actual an, uh, an actual addict that found me via Reddit. It got the, the application got picked up briefly on the, on one of the Reddit communities that, that addresses opiate uh, addiction.
0: So, so was it kind be of
1: a, a personal project. What's that? Well, what, what, what did he say that uh, you should change it to? Oh, he he, he wants it, and I actually registered the domain, so I'll be relaunching at That he wanted to call it dope dopewatchers dot com oh. instead of Weight Watchers. Dope Watchers. Dopewatchers dot That's clever. Okay, okay I got yeah. it. I didn't hear it yeah, here first time. I, I thought that was genius. So at ah. the moment, at the moment, that doesn't nothing happens if you type that in, and the the site is currently myhstory.com. dot com. Um, but I, when I get a chance, I'm going to try to add in a little more functionality and, and some more sort of social hooks, and then I'll, I'll be relaunching it as Dope Watchers. And anyone who's listening that has a good idea for this or would like to contribute or help in some way—not not, not financially—I've got that I've got that covered. But I really need uh, I, I need knowledge and expertise uh, more than anything else.
0: Well, I hope that I, I just pulled the website up, and, and it's this is get, hopefully make a huge impact. I mean that that what you're what you're seeing there I don't think is much different than other places I mean we in northern Kentucky and Cincinnati is also the exact same way you know and you don't yeah. know yeah. you don't realize it until you look at the news and you say holy cow that's a street right down the road from me and it yeah. it's not the typical person you think it might be anymore using um, heroin or meth or any of those other other types of drugs it's yeah. your next door neighbor literally could be doing it. And yeah, it was, the people who hopefully, hopefully this is it, going to make a huge impact. That's a great project.
1: It was interesting. One of the, you know, one of the first things that happened when I launched it was that I, I started getting emails from people saying, you know, you, you can't make this be one drug specific because I mix and match yeah. or okay. That worked for, you know, so don't, that, that's why it had to be rebranded because it's such a, it's such a wide widespread issue that, that spans, Every conceivable variety and mixture and mashup of drugs, and, and cultures and age groups—it was just astonishing the, the the breadth of of users that are impacted by this thing.
0: That have you ever seen the movie, it's a documentary called uh, Prescription Thugs, by Chris Bell? No. He's the guy who guy who directed uh, Bigger, Faster, Stronger. A few years ago, mm. if you get a chance, it's on Netflix, check out prescription thugs, because he yeah, he, he goes through and just talks about the amount, just like you said, you know, people taking pain pill on top of anti-anxiety on top of uh, erectile dysfunction yeah. on top of X, Y and Z all yeah. way down the line. And you're like, oh, just because right. I'm taking these things and it's coming from a doctor, it doesn't mean I'm an addict. Well, when you're taking yeah, 90 yeah, pills yeah. a day at breakfast, then,
1: yeah,
0: you know, there's there's. It needs to be addressed. So that, that's yeah. So something like what you're working on. I yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of anything like that before. Always on the cutting edge, Bill. Always on the cutting edge. <laughs> 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 that's awesome, and I I'll definitely put that. I'll put that in the show notes too. And um, when you update the the website, and let me know, and I can get it updated and republish it. So that's awesome. Uh, no for sure. Eric. Thank you. Absolutely. And I, I know you're a busy guy, I know you have a lot of stuff going on, and uh, I think we reached about that 30-minute mark, so thanks for helping me kick off my, my um, podcast for the year, and hopefully it continues on down the road, and I hope you have some great success with all your projects you're working on, and um, I'm sure the people out there are appreciating uh, some insight into, into logs at all, and, and how you helped uh, shape what they're using
1: right now. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Eric. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Absolutely. I will talk to you soon.